Good afternoon, YouTubers. This is Steve Bradley. Well, YouTubers and Spotify listeners, this is Steve Bradley, God's Wordsmith, coming to you from Payson, Arizona. And I want to talk briefly today about the revival in Kentucky and elsewhere. It looks like there are now several colleges involved in this revival with young people voluntarily worshiping, praising the Lord, confessing, and so on. And I've put up two verses here that I want you to look at for a moment, Isaiah 55, 6 and 7, which say, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, and he will have mercy on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. So this is about seeking God and seeking him honestly and completely with our whole heart. Attached to that is this scripture. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there is any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. God is calling us to that, of course. But I want to talk briefly about this revival in Kentucky and, again, elsewhere. Asbury College in Kentucky appears to be the scene of a great Christian revival. And from the little I know, the revival appears to be led by the Holy Spirit with voluntary human participation. There is worship, prayer, confession, deliverance. The videos of this are extremely touching, and as this revival seems to be spreading to nearby colleges, and students at those colleges seek the Lord. Now, I find myself very affected by these scenes of worship, praise, prayer, and confession. And as a personal testimony, when I'm affected like this, it's often because the Holy Spirit is bearing witness to me, as he is to others, of the realities of this. So I believe that a real spiritual revival is here, at least there, and it's essential to the spiritual life of our nation. If we are ever to recover from the re incredible decline we've seen in the last few years, And unless God intervenes in our nation, we are well and truly lost. So hopefully this is a beginning. And we desperately need it. If not, it's great that it's happening in its own right, because all revivals are good, even if they don't spread wide, far and wide. So I thank God for what he is doing in that part of the country. Now, there are complaints, especially from some of the more conservative folks who don't like to see the fact that this tends to be, revivals like this tend to be charismatic in, a, in nature. And Asbury College does a few things that these folks don't like. So I've seen a number of people on YouTube saying that this is experience driven and therefore not so good or that it lacks something they want to see, or it has something that they don't want to see. 
It includes something that doesn't fit their prejudices. And quite honestly, folks, it's kind of like rejecting the day of Pentecost because there were experiences and they didn't fit the prejudices of the detractors. It's so important to understand that revivals go their own way. They don't go according to us. There are principles, of course, and they don't go outside the bounds of Scripture. But, as a matter of fact, Christian experience has been the driver for every revival with which I am acquainted, and, there, and it's quite a few because I used to study these. So every revival, whether the great Methodist revivals of the 18th century that literally saved England from a, an event like the French Revolution, or the Jesus movement of the 70s, or the conversion of the native tribes in New England under David Brainerd, many times these revivals had leaders, and other times those leaders developed later and they were originally sovereign moves of the Spirit of God. Now my question is, and this is the most important question, is this. How can you and I respond so that the Holy Spirit is free to bring revival to us? There are no guarantees because God doesn't bring revival everywhere people want it for various reasons that we don't necessarily understand. So, but God is seeking us at this point in time, and I believe he is more ready for revival than we are. Here are some principles that I found to be true. Number one, revivals of all kinds, from the Great Awakening under Jonathan Edwards to the great missionary work of John Patton, are sovereign moves of the Spirit of God, and they cannot be easily classified. They certainly cannot be contained in a church or a denomination or another kind of box, and they don't follow our rules. They follow Bible rules. And one of the wisest quotes I've seen occurs in the Chronicle of the Calvary Chapel Ministries, which is on YouTube as A Venture in Faith. This is part of the introduction, where Raul Reese and Mike McIntosh put this together. It says, any attempt to reduce God's uncontainable work to fit the limited capacity of man's understanding gives man far more credit than he deserves. It is better to understand that the, that the beginning, ending, and determining factor in man's relationship to God is God's relationship to man. God is the initiator. He always was, he always is, and he always will be. So what causes God to do this? What causes him to bring revival? Well, here I insert a quote from Matthew Henry, which is a fascinating quote based on, I think, Romans 9. All God's reasons of mercy are taken from within himself. In other words, he is the source of all the decisions about revival, where they take revivals, where they take place, and so on. And he is the author of them all. The basic verse for this is God loved the world so much that he gave his only son. That love explains everything. 
He is the sovereign Lord and the source of every good and perfect gift. He longs to see a repentance and blessing in our lives and to see us revived and walking with him. Here are some additional principles. Revivals do not necessarily arrive with an abundance of knowledge. And that's one of the things that really puts off people who are super conservative and think that the revival must originate with Bible knowledge. Not always. That just doesn't happen necessarily. John Patton, for example, the great missionary to the New Hebrides, Presbyterian, by the way, he wrote that when his missionary work culminated in the great moving of the Holy Spirit that he saw in the New Hebrides, that is Vanuatu, many natives who had little contact with his teaching wanted to be Christians as well as those whom he had already taught, but they didn't know how. So on Sundays, they would stop work and although they went around naked most of the time, they would just sit around in their shirts, not working. Teaching came later. Revivals often include events that cannot be explained and that are very extraordinary. There are spiritual gifts such as visions, prophecies, healings, and Inappropriate people are sometimes the vehicles for these great works of God, like poor people, people who aren't part of the great uh, old boy network in a particular church. This can put them beyond the pale in some conservative settings, which is a terrible shame. God does what he wants with the people he wants, when he wants and how he wants. And according to Acts 2, that includes gifts and empowerings of the Holy Spirit. God cannot be contained in some little human box. Elements of revival teaching are typically oriented towards salvation, transformation, and worship. And sometimes a great deal of repentance, as was the case in Goforth's revivals in China before the communists took over. Direct experience is always the driver. Conviction is often the driver. I remember testimonies about the Great Awakening under Jonathan Edwards when he preached a sermon, Sinners in the Hands of an Angry God, that people would actually stand up and hold on to the posts in the church to keep from sinking into hell. There was that much spiritual pressure. So in a revival, the Holy Spirit is experienced as a constant presence and a real person. While there is intense devotion to the Bible as the Word of God, it isn't that the Bible is ignored or rejected or so on. It's just that sometimes the experience with the Spirit precedes the actual teaching and that the teaching comes later, but it always does come. And a true revival always has the Bible as part of its core. Now, during times of revival, 
many things thought impossible become commonplace. And one of the mottos of times like this is Zechariah 4, 6, not by might nor, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Now on the human side, the main features of revivals are, are usually the following. Number one, revival is often initiated by prayer. Prayer for the revival of God's work and the salvation of sinners. It involves personal repentance and confession of sin when needed. It, it involves deliverance from evil in its various forms. It involves joy and spiritual healing, great emotion and an abundance of experience. It involves love for God. For example, in Acts chapter 8, verse 8, recounting the information about Philip and his ministry in Samaria, it says there was great joy in that city. Why? Because of the great work of the Spirit of God. It involves worship, praise, and prayer. It involves massive numbers of genuine conversions, often outside the church. It was when Whitfield and Wesley went outside the walls of the church and began to preach to the common people that the revival really broke out in England and, of course, in America. The Jesus movement had a lot of this. Revival often involves great sacrifice, often unheralded, by the way. Some of the Moravian missionaries of the 1700s sent themselves to the mission field along with their coffins. They expected to die on the field in a very short time. And if I recall correctly, they were going to the Gold Coast of Africa. And the life expectancy for a person who just arrived there was six months. They went anyway. Others sold themselves into slavery so they could minister to the slaves because there was no way they could minister. No white guy was allowed to minister to the slaves. So they became slaves. There is immense devotion to the Word of God. The Bible is once again seen as the living and powerful, sharper than two, any two-edged sword, that book. And there's no attempt to say, take the Bible unseriously. There is empowering by the Holy Spirit. And there is obedience to the Spirit of God and the Word of God. Now, as a kind of a caution, the overwhelmingness of revivals, excuse the word, can lead to an overzealous and destructive set of attitudes, which basically involves some real pride and some attitudes that say, I'm better because I'm in revival. Well, that's just stuff that's used by Satan to create pride and division. We are in revival, some would say. You are not. So we humans are still sinners after all, and we are in a spiritual battle. Beware of a proud spirit.
Now, can we make revival happen? No, God does that. But we can supply the conditions that the Spirit of God calls for and then leave his part to him. If you long for revival, God was the one who put that in your heart. It didn't come from you. And while revival is a sovereign work of God, God often wants to do much more than we are ready to accept or believe. And the Bible verse applies. He, that is Jesus, could no, do no great work there, that is Nazareth, his hometown, because of their unbelief. It's so often us and our failure to believe that creates so many problems in our lives. So here are some suggestions to promote revival in your city, your workplace, your college, your church, or your circle of friends. Number one, this is the most important, be right with God yourself. Confess every sin. Repent of every sin. Purify your heart, but then stop focusing on you. You are not the point, God is. Seek blessing for your circle of friends. Pray for revival. If you can, get friends to help. Jeremiah 33.3 says, Call to me, and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things which you do not know. Accept what God does. I graduated from seminary in 1975 during the Jesus Movement, and it was actually pretty well, uh, pretty well underway by then, but it was unknown in the Midwest. It just wasn't happening there. And many evangelical churches in California, on the West Coast, rejected the Jesus movement as too experience-driven, too emotional, just involving young people, just involving hippies. You know, folks, nothing says fake revival like millions of conversions. I just recently heard Greg Laurie mentioning that out of that Jesus movement, out of the Calvary Chapel movement, there developed 1,400 churches, and that doesn't include the vineyard ministries that also developed. The attitudes that were exhibited in these conservative churches reminded me of the Pharisees and scribes who were jealous at the crowds that Jesus had, jealous of his disciples, jealous and angry at anything that wasn't them. They called it the work of the devil. They called it not God's work. They said it was too experience-driven. They, they all said you shouldn't be emotional in church. And so I ask the question, why? Don't be like that. When God decides to work, he decides what he's going to do. You are just along for the ride. People appear to be responding to the Asbury revival in much the same way. Lots of approval. Lots of people saying this is wonderful. There's some disapproval. 
But of course, worst of all, is there are many attempts to co-opt a work of the spirit for one's own benefit. And as I, as I have said before, it is tremendously important that we seek the face of God and call upon him for this kind of revival to take place. I certainly hope that you enjoyed this teaching, and I hope most of all that you will begin to pray for the work of God, the revival that God wants to bring to your community and especially to groups that have never had any kind of revival. And I think of many that are just faking it, it's tragic. So my recommendation is pray, repent of any sins you may be committing, may have committed, turn to the Lord with your whole heart, and seek to fulfill the conditions that God calls you to fulfill so that these works may take place. God bless you all.